Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we got a dynamite interview for you today. I am talking with Jim Padilla. He's the founder of Gain the Edge, and he is known in the personal development and the business coaching world as the go-to guy for all things sales. He's a master collaborator, and his purpose really is to help entrepreneurs leverage the power of collaboration to scale their business so that they can impact the world the way that they intended. And he is really known for instilling into his sales team that it's not what you say, it's who you're who you're being when you say it. Uh, I just, I absolutely love his approach to sales and I think you're going to learn a ton today. Jim, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. There we go. All right. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I know we got a, a ton to cover. So um, give everybody just a, a little snapshot beyond the bio and so they have a little bit of context for how you got to this stage. Yeah. Um, well, I hate to go back to childhood because, you know, you hear stories all the time and people, well, I was born in a sharecropper's kid, but it's relevant to who I am today. Um, uh, I was born to uh, teenage parents who were pretty unfortunate uh, at the time. Um, they met in an orphanage. Um, my dad took off. He was 17. My mom was 16. They literally had no business having a kid, but, you know, we're all very glad they did. And, um, you know, my mom responded to a difficult situation with a lot of rage and anger and fear. And so I grew up getting abused pretty heavily. Um, and it was, you know, broomsticks, plates over the head, closed fist, you know, baseball bat one time. Um, and so I, I was in, in uh, I was in foster care at 13, literally living on the streets at 16 and in jail at 19. And the reason I share all that is because it's, it, the thing that was learned for my first 20 years of life was dependency on being able to engage and influence my environment to lean my direction because that was the only way I could survive. So I spent literally every waking moment of my life trying to figure out how to get these people to not see me as a threat so they would lower their guard. And then I wouldn't have any problems. You know, little did I know that, you know, 25 years later, I'd be making millions of dollars teaching other people how to impact their environment to not see them as a threat so that they can lower their guard and then want to be able to buy from you because they can trust you and hear your message. So it's, it was, uh, it's one of those things where it's an amazing skill set. Obviously, there's a whole lot of things that were skipped in that story. But, um, but that's, that's where the essence of this is, something that I've cultivated over an entire lifetime. Wow, that's uh, it's a tremendous story, and and I'm sure there are, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more behind that than than what you shared there. But thank you for sharing it, and I think that's going to fit right into my next question, which is as you came through all of those experiences, how did you keep going? What what were the the methods that you used to just keep pressing forward? And I mean, you've obviously created a tremendous life from that beginning. Um, and that doesn't happen by accident. Right. Right. Well, I, what, the thing that I learned early was, you know, you, you kind of, as a kid, you, you know, our parents tell us all kinds of silly things to try to protect us. Like you watch TV too much, your eyes are going to go, are going to go blind or you do things to, you smoke, you, you smoke marijuana and you're going to die, you know? Well, once you watch TV long enough and you realize your eyes aren't going to go out or you go out and get high or you go drink and you realize that you're not going to die or kill somebody, then you, use, you realize that, oh, what they said wasn't true. So now I can push the boundaries further, right? That's what kids do. 
well, I kind of did the same thing in my whole life. It's like I realized that these were horrible situations that I was in that I didn't like, but none of it killed me. So I realized, okay, what else can I take? Now, I know that, that was not, that's not a normal default response. I mean, I could have shrank. I could have went to a lot of different areas of life, but I just thought, well, if that didn't kill me, then maybe this won't kill me either. And then maybe this won't. And it just became part of my default. And so I'm always in that place where I'm always looking to expand the boundaries. And if it hurts, it hurts. But I have yet to find the thing that'll kill me. Right? So it, a, yeah, it, it's a fascinating way to look at things. And I know we'll get into this as we talk about sales, but you know, so many people are almost afraid to sell because of the rejection that comes along with it. And, and you know, there's often a negative stereotype with people who are selling. And so it requires you to almost do that, that same exercise, like go out a little bit from what you're comfortable with, you know, where, where you're sort of stable and see what happens and then, you know, continue to do that. Right. You know, it's interesting because one of, I've always thought of it like this, but I've never really articulated it until one of my clients did recently. We were working at an event and she was speaking on stage and she was, she was explaining it like an expansion and a contraction. She's like, you have to, you get big. And she, she did this visual on stage when you go and then back down and then you expand. And then it's kind of like two steps forward, one step back, five steps forward, two steps back, 10 steps back, <laughs> you know, but it's never this straight line. And I thought that's exactly it. Right. Cause I mean, I pushed the boundary, but it doesn't mean it worked when I did it. I fell on my face. I, I got hurt. Something stumbled, something broke. And then we, you know, what we've learned is the ability to step back and assess really quickly what didn't work and then push through the next level. Whereas, you know, a lot of times those things can make you retreat completely and not want to do it again. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's the, the old, you know, hit yourself, you know, in, in the thumb with a hammer and you don't want to go hammer anything anymore, you yeah. know, because it hurt. But to be able to understand that that's part of the process. I, I love that analogy, the sort of expansion and contraction, because we all yeah. go through that. We feel like it's easy to look out at, at what other people are doing and think it's all expansion. Right. That they, they don't have the two steps back in there anywhere, you know? Well, and then the other thing that I learned really young is that there's always somebody else who either knows more or is willing to do it better. Right. So like, it's interesting because you're talking about the hammer. You know, if I hit my thumb with a hammer, I'm not a physical guy. I, I work with my mouth and my hands and stuff. So, or my, 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 uh, my, my brain. Um, I totally envy guys who are just the brawn guys who go out and, and work hard for a living because it's just never really been me. Um, not in that, not in the physical capacity, but anyway, hitting a hammer, if you hit my thumb with a hammer, I would, I would be more likely to hit that nail harder the next time because I would think the reason I hit the thumb the first time is because it took me 12 times. How about if I do it in three tries, then I won't hit my thumb. And then the next time I do it, I'll go, how about I'll just get somebody else who knows how to do it. And then I can go over here and do the thing that I need to do. <laughs> right. So those are the things I started looking at very young in life. Well, who's the person who, I, I don't like this. It didn't work well for me. Who else could do that for me that I could just be the person who's make sure they stay straight. And, well, you, you know, <laughs> For those of us who run businesses, that's often the best answer, right? You know, um, and and I, I see so many business owners making this mistake, and and it slows them down. I think because they they think I got to do everything, 
or at least right. I got to do everything the first time, you know, and then teach somebody how to do it. And I, there's no way to grow doing that. No, our operations manager, um, I got scolded one time because I, I saw somebody do a webinar and then it, it led to an Infusionsoft presentation on something that was happening with tagging in the in the system so i'm up at one in the morning watching this training video it's like 30 minute training video on tagging i'm like this is great we should be implementing this like this so i send an email to my ops manager at one in the morning and i'm thinking she's gonna go wow that's a really good idea or hey we've all, we're already working on it instead the response i get is why the hell are you wasting your time looking at this stuff at one in the morning because that's not making us money <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know what a, what a profound and correct point, you know? My, exactly. My, she said, hey, it should have been, hey, this is interesting. Why don't you guys check this out? Instead, I'm like spending all my time trying to figure it out when I don't, you know, it's not my expertise. This whole company knows that we make money when I'm being visible, when I'm sharing, when I'm speaking on stages and talking to clients. Other than that, they don't want me doing anything. Yeah. And, and that's the right <laughs> attitude to take. And if you can get your team thinking like that, they can actually manage you so much more effectively. Yes. Uh, yeah, I love that. And I love this whole idea of, of, of being aware of the expansion and contraction and being, you know, observant of both of those and, and reacting quickly. I think that's huge. And I think that'll help a lot of people. I want to take a quick break, Jim, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your very unique approach to selling. And I think that's going to be a huge help to everybody listening. We're going to be right back with more from Jim Padilla. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back. This is Steve Gordon. And uh, Jim, we left off and uh, said we we're going to kind of change course and talk a little bit about sales because it would be crazy to have you on and not talk about that. And so give us kind of just a high level view of, of your approach to selling because I know it's very, very unique. Well, the, the thing for me is that I believe, first of all, everybody listening to this podcast or, or you sell, I don't care what profession or what industry you're in. We are all in the game of sales. You, you know, if you, when you were a kid, you sold your siblings on why you shouldn't have to ride in the hump in the middle or you get shotgun, right? You, <laughs> you sell your spouse on why they should marry you. Um, you, you've sold your kids on why they should eat their vegetables. You sell your friends on why they should go to a great movie or go to a restaurant that you've been to because you influence the situation. And we, the thing is, we don't realize that we've done it because it's just part of our DNA. So what I focus on is how is getting you to replicate that on purpose, right? So it's not by using scripts and 10 step formulas and systems. It's by just really understanding clearly who's the person you're here to serve. What is it you can do for them? Why, how, and when, and what's the most important thing for them to gain out of the situation? And so we really just teach a park bench approach to a sales conversation and that you should be able to sit down on a park bench with a random stranger and inside of 30 minutes, you should know what they want, why they want it, what's in the way of them getting it. Are they seriously committed to actually solving this problem? And when are they ready to get started? And those are things that you would do in a natural conversation. 
But when we get in the sales conversation, we all of a sudden think we have to be something that we're not instead of just being your natural, curious, concerned, helpful self. You know, if I'm talking to you and you're a great friend of mine and you're telling me that you've got a real problem, you know, my marriage just is not working right or my business, something's, something's off. And, you know, I've been thinking about doing something about it, but I think I'm just going to wait till next year. Well, as a friend, I'm going to say, Steve, that's ridiculous. Why would you wait till you need to solve this today? Right? Because I care about you. But somehow when I'm all of a sudden selling you something, potentially, I'm a potential solution for you. Now I have to regulate my response. Now all of a sudden I'm not supposed to tell you, hey, what do you mean you're going to wait till next year? Why on earth would you do that? There's people who need the message you share. And if you don't solve this, they won't get what they need. Why do you, what are you talking about waiting till next year? Right? But we think somehow that's crossing some line of being pushy and obstinate or salesy, which I'm so tired of that term because <laughs> we're all salesy. We're all salespeople, right? But here's the thing. What if my personal belief on this, here's my philosophy. If you treat people like they are your clients before they become your clients, then they will be your clients. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. You know, we, uh, we talk about the idea of purity of intent, yes. uh, which, which I describe as basically just kind of showing up with the, you know, yes, you have something to sell. Yeah, sure. There's, there's a transaction maybe somewhere if there's a fit, but showing up first and foremost with the pure desire and the sincere desire to help the other person. And if that kind of comes first, and I think that's what you're really getting at is if you focus on that, the rest sort of can take care of itself. Right. You know, I'll have people who will say to us, they'll say, you know, they give themselves a noble clause. We call it the noble out because when, when we tell ourselves, you know, I'm not going to say what really should say here because I don't want to, you know, Steve's been through a lot and I don't want to make him feel bad. So what you're doing is you're making yourself look noble. And so then your subconscious thinks, oh, wow, you're noble. I have nothing to solve here, right? But when I try to, in, to inject into this conversation is more truth. The reason you're not telling them the truth is because you don't want to feel uncomfortable. Now, all of a sudden, your subconscious goes, oops, we have something to fix. And now your subconscious starts getting to work on finding solutions or wrestling you out to find them, right? Because we have to get to that place where that's the only thing that matters is, is getting to the truth. Um, Again, you, you said it perfectly. Intent is the gig. It's all about where it comes from. I don't apologize for any words that I say, and I don't ask permission to say them. I just speak them. You've given me implied consent by the fact that you're on the phone with me trying to solve a problem, which means I can now say anything I need to in order to help affect change. And if we both know that I'm coming from love, I'm coming from the right place, you know, I'm not abusing you. I'm just sharing you exactly what I see. So how do you get someone to understand that when you don't have maybe a, a deep relationship or any relationship beyond the fact that you're on the phone for the first time right now? I mean, people are skeptical. I mean, they're getting sold now in more ways and more places than ever before. So how do you kind of overcome that and get to the point where you feel like you can offer that advice? You, you really have to do some work on your own to, to understand what, what's at stake? What is at stake here? And it really should be on any level, even if you're selling paper clips. You know, I had a client who actually, who was, he was selling paper clips, like, well, paper clips aren't going to change anybody's lives. I say, no, but do you care about how their business runs? 
Do you care about the effectiveness and the efficiency of who they are so that they can show their people and serve their clients well? Right. And that's what you need to have come through every single conversation that you're in. Look, the reason I'm telling you this is because it matters. The reason I'm sharing with you what I see here is because I've helped hundreds or thousands or dozens or whatever that number is of people. And I'm already, I, can, I know what's going to happen if you don't solve this problem. Are you ready to see what's going to happen? You know, and I don't, I don't need to know you more than 10 seconds. We can be in a conversation for 60 seconds as strangers and just sharing a in deep, intimate moment that can bring you to tears. You don't need to know somebody to have intimacy. And that's what people forget. People think it's somehow systematized and it's not. That's the biggest problem with following most scripts is they're trying to tell you what to say. You know what to say to your client. I don't. You know who you need to be. I don't. So why on earth would I spend my time trying to tell you what to say or who to be? My job is just to help you remove the crap so that you can stand tall. Because the one thing I do know is when you're at your best self, you're going to inspire people around you to be at their best. And from that place is where people make great decisions to change their lives. If they're stuck down in the nonsense, you don't make good decisions down there because they're all based on fear and pain and frustration. So we want to get them up out of that and help them see, look, you know, one of the biggest gifts that I was given was a treacherous childhood because I know everything is overcomable. So I don't care what situation you're in right now. That can change if you decide it's going to change. You're only a victim if you choose to be. Yeah, I would imagine very few people can give you any excuses around things that they can't change, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about, you, you talked a minute ago about, scripts. And I, I can tell you the biggest disaster I've ever had in sales was about two and a half years ago, getting convinced that we should use a highly scripted approach to sales conversations. And while we did win business out of that, the business that we won wasn't good. I mean, it wasn't, yeah, we closed deals and all that, but they, the, most of those clients aren't still around. They weren't good clients. And, uh, you know, and which is one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on to get this message out to people that if you really can just kind of be yourself, and I know you have a structure for how you, you know, want people to talk through those conversations, but it's not a script and they're very different. It's different right. to, to have a structure and things that need to get covered and, and, you know, different than having kind of a word for word. If you say this, you'll pin yeah. them down and they'll make a decision. And that's the way most of those scripts are, are geared. And that's how people promote. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Facebook in the last week. I have the six golden questions that lead to a million dollar revenue. It's like anytime somebody says, if you do this every time, just already automatically delete that message because there's no such thing. There's 350 million people, <clears throat> excuse me, in this, in this country, which really means there's 350 tips different types of responses that can come from the same exact question. And people don't say that. They want you to think, well, this is how it works. And now, also don't get me wrong, scripts are fine. I'm not knocking them. For some people, that's ideal, but um, all I'm saying is they're not required and they will limit you. Yeah, and I think for for most of the folks that that uh, I know listen and and a lot of the, the businesses that we talk to, one of the reasons that they, they get uncomfortable with a really scripted approach is they feel like that when they're dealing with a client, everybody's situation is a little bit unique. And they feel like uh, that, that being pinned in doesn't give them the opportunity to sort of roam and really discover what is important to that client. And so right. as you are working with someone and kind of coming up with a structure, what are the few things that 
in a sales conversation need to happen? What are the things that they need to cover as they, they walk through that? Um, well, basically everything needs to come down to truth, clarity, and certainty, right? Now people always talk about, you got to uncover the pain. You got to find the pain points. I don't necessarily believe that. I believe clarity is what has to come. When you get clarity, it might reveal pain. It also might just real, reveal the fact that there's something not working, which doesn't necessarily mean pain. It just means a problem to solve, right? So don't get hung up on that piece. But also understanding that the whole, the whole conversation, the, the whole body, the whole human experience has to come into the conversation. What sounds different about what I'm saying? What do you see as a possibility now that you know this problem can be solved? You know, what does it smell like when you actually can wake up every day and know that you've got a predictable revenue now because your sales problems are solved? It's no more good month, bad month. It's good month, better month. But you can put yourself on a salary, right? You start putting, you have to get people into a place where they can get everything involved because, you know, we all heard the term that, you know, we buy with emotion and justify with logic, right? Um, but it's also way much more than that. And sometimes we've, we try to, to, uh, to focus on one or the other, Put, hit them with all the facts. Well, that's great, but now you've got them in their head and people in their head can get gridlocked because now they can start overthinking things and, and making wrong decisions. Don't let them purely make an emotional decision because that's irresponsible, right? But we do, we need to make sure, I mean, that's the biggest thing we have in us. We trust what we feel and what we know. And if this feels good, there's many times your feeling will override a logical decision if you can't connect the dots. Right. It could feel good. It could feel bad. Our job is to be able to pull that all together. And here's the piece where uh, this is where people get nervous. I'm never here to tell you what to say. I've got a billion responses in my brain. I can, I can overcome any situation or circumstance in a sales conversation. I probably can speak about your clients potentially better than you can only because I'm so involved in sales conversations all the time. I know what logical things are there. However, you know your people better than I do. And you're going to know what needs to be said. What we have to do is just survey the landscape and be able to see that what's happening is ideal and what need, is what needs to happen. If you've done the work ahead of time to bring in the right people at the right stage of business so that you're actually having the right conversation with the right person at the right time about the right thing, then it really doesn't even matter what you say. That's why you don't need a script. Most of the problem is solved at that level. It's really understanding what stage is this person in. Right. And I'll, I'll share one thing that that is more important than than even what it is that you're saying um, when we call it the stages of readiness, need and desire. And it's based on a waterfall um, uh, metaphor. And if you're far enough upstream, you're floating. And when you're floating, you're not aware of dangers. Right. That's stage one. That's one stage to be in. Stage two is when you're coming up on the falls and you see that you're about to go over the falls, which is where a lot of us find clients because they're easy to find. They're jumping up and down and they're crazy. However, they're usually broke, they're not trusting, they're freaked out, and you're trying to have a, just even in those two stages, those are two completely different conversations. One has to be one about education and increasing urgency. The other one has to be about get me out of this danger that I'm about to go into. And we spend our time trying to educate somebody when they're about to go over the falls. They're like, dude, I don't need a lecture. I need a hand, I need a rope, right? So you could be having all the right conversations, just with the wrong person in the wrong stage of the, of the game. So even though you've identified your ideal avatar, you haven't identified the stage of business or, or stage of urgency or readiness, need, and desire that they are in, right? Then the next stage when you go over the falls is devastation. When you're in the middle of the falls, you're being ripped apart and shredded. You need to be a crisis actor. 
you need to be great in an emergency and everybody is not. So if you're not that person, don't solve problems for people in that place because it'll stress you out, wear you out and, and burn you out, right? Then the next stage is recovery. If somebody actually manages to survive the devastation, now they're like, oh my God, we went through that. I never want to go through that again. Now they need somebody like you who can come back and put them all back together. So you need to figure out where on those four stages, floating, falls, recovery, or, or devastation, are you most suited to serve in? Those things will then change the conversation that you're having with people, which will put them in a better position to actually relate to what you're saying. And then now they're just here, they're gonna, now you've demonstrated that you understand their pain and you can articulate their problem probably better than they can. So they will also give you credit for knowing the solution. It's a brilliant way to break it down. Talk a little bit about when you're working with your clients, how do you help them identify which stage they should be in? Well, we go through a pretty extensive exercise uh, around it, but it first starts with understanding you, which one you're most suited to serve. Like myself, um, I'm, I'm really good in a crisis, but that's not my perfect, most ideal situation. I like to do recovery. I love working with people who've already been through it and realize that they now need to listen to somebody, right? My least favorite is floating because I don't want to have to convince you that you've got a problem coming. I can do it, but it's more work. So you have to understand which, which place are you best suited to serve in. Um, and so, so that's the first place. And then the key to understanding the, 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 the stage is once somebody is in that stage, like you could do an avatar, a typical ideal avatar exercise, and it talks about who they are, where they are, what, what they're doing in their life and all that. But when you start thinking about the stage that they're in, it breaks it down into typical day patterns, right? And problems that they would be solving because if somebody is in floating stage, they're not aware that the problem is really existing or they're just in denial about it. So you can't talk to them the same way that you talk to somebody who's about ready to head over the falls because they're looking for something different. So when you can break that down, then you think, okay, what are the pains they're, they're experiencing? What are the things they're not aware of? What other things are they likely focusing on instead? And who else is in their world? at that stage of readiness, need, and desire. Because that's how you start finding good partners, right? I find partners who are willing to work in that stage and help educate people and solve their problem. And then the next stage they're ready for is me because they've already elevated them to something different, right? So you just have to start understanding what are those players, who are the players, and what are the problems that, are, that would likely have to be solved at that particular stage of their growth or of their problem cycle. Right. That's, that's brilliant. I'm sitting here thinking, uh, I mean, we, we deal with so many businesses who are trying to go out to the floating stage, right. you know, and they're trying to educate someone who is, you know, to, to use the metaphor, they're, they're laying on the raft. They've got the, you know, their cold beer on a rope trailing. That's what we do in Florida. <laughs> you know, we go down a, a river, cold beer trailing, you know, on a rope and they, they don't have a care in the world. They don't know that the problem even exists yet. And what tends to happen with those people is they get really preachy because they know they got a solution and they know that there's danger ahead, but they get really preachy and, and it doesn't connect and they get very frustrated by that. And, and the way that kind of manifests itself is with, a you know, often a service provider going, you know, um, everybody should be doing it this way. I know the right way to do it. You know, they might not right. say I know the right way to do it, but you hear the word should 
in all of their communications over and right. over and over again. And to me, that's well, the trigger. It, well, the other thing that, that makes it, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to think about what could I do to be of service there? Cause I don't want to beat them over the head to help them get knowledgeable. Now, you can help educate them by giving them a lot of free content stuff, but now that's something you have to create. So what you want to think about is, is your business model ideally suited for that, right? I have a client who he does um, healthcare. His clients are hospitals and he teaches cleaning for hospitals because they have like, they're massively regulated, right? So he catches people way upstream so that he can help them understand that by hiring his company for $100,000 a year, they can avoid a half a million dollars a year worth of fines that are instituted by the medical AMA, whatever the boards are that, that oversee that stuff. And that it doesn't, it's not possible to happen. It's going to happen because they fine everybody. And the only way you don't, stay, don't get fined is if you are in my, my system, because this is a way you can show the state that you're part of our certification plan, you're aware, we help keep you up to date. So that's, that's getting upstream and helping them understand. Because if that company gets to the falls or devastation, that company's going out of business. They're not going to recover. Right. So those are the, that's, you just have to think about what is, do you have a subscription-based service that educates people that might make sense further upstream? Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, it, you know, it, it really takes stepping back and thinking about not only where your prospects are in these stages, but almost now rethinking how you approach the business a little bit so that you're aligned with the appropriate stage. Uh, right. And, and I think that uh, it, it, I don't, I don't see that as an easy exercise to do. Um, and I know you've got a, a lengthy process that you take people through to get there, but, but I think it's an eminently important one. I, I see people selling all the time, trying to sell outside of, of what would be their stage. And it just is so much more difficult because your right. offer doesn't match your communications don't match. And so nobody really is paying attention and hearing what you're trying to communicate to them. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the best terms that I have heard um, from a colleague of mine who was talking about, um, you know, you want to speak to them in a language that makes them believe you've been reading their diary, right? Because when you're talking to them, oh my God, have you been reading my dark secrets at night? You know, because you understand them so acutely. When you're trying to serve all people in all of those genres, but they're still, remember, that could still be the same person. When we focus on the avatar, we're not focusing on what stage of the game they're in. So avatar is great, but that's only the beginning. And you want to be able to, the, the more acutely you can focus on which position they're in, then you can really dive deep into this and start figuring out what are all the types of problems? What are the, what are the chances of recovery? What are the things they would likely be spending money on right now that you can be speaking into their mind? Like, wow, I just did that last week and that didn't work either. You know, they're, you're starting to, to bring in this cadence that helps them go, yeah, this guy really knows what the heck I'm thinking. So I need to talk to him. Right. And then when they talk to you, they're coming to you as the expert because you've already positioned yourself that way. And then um, as David Nagel says, you know, your offer should never be a surprise. It should always be the logical conclusion to the conversation you've been having. And that will happen when you're really refined in this process. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, Jim, uh, we could, I think we could probably go on for days on this topic because it's fascinating uh, to me and I know it's fascinating to you, but um, I want to make sure that uh, we, we let everybody know how to get a hold of you if they, they need help, uh, where they can find out more about you. And, and I know you got a, just a fantastic podcast as well that they can find. So wh where should they begin 
uh, kind of getting into your world? Yeah, the two places I suggest is one, definitely check out our podcast, the Sales Unscripted podcast. And it's it's all just about sales, scaling, and leverage, and me going on rants about different things um, and interviewing amazing guests. Uh, and then the other place, uh, just jump into our community. It's it's on Facebook. It's called CU at 7, S-E-E-Y-O-U, at the number 7. And the whole goal here is we're just trying to help people scale. We're trying to help people go from six to seven or go make that next seven. And you can jump in with a lot of like-minded entrepreneurs and you got access to me and my team in there and we'll answer your questions. And we'll, we, we do a lot of different contests and promotions and things to try to keep you engaged and challenge you. Uh, we're actually going to be doing, I don't know that when this is going to be released, but we're getting ready to do a, a, a two-day strategic sales planning uh, training in the group so that everybody can start make sure that you're super intentional about the sales projects you have on the plate for 2019. That's brilliant. Yeah, everybody go check those things out. We'll link those up in the show notes. Um, and so you can you can find those with this episode at unstoppableceo.net. And again, on Facebook, that's CU7 is the name of the group or CU at 7. CU at 7. CU at 7 is the name of the group. And Sales Unscripted is a podcast. Jim Padilla, thank you so much for being on the Unstoppable CEO. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.